Welcome to Mom and Up. With your co-host, developmental psychologist, Dr. Marty Erickson, and Dr. Aaron Erickson, maternal child health specialist and nurse practitioner. Here's my grandma, Marty. And here's Aaron, my mom and mom. Welcome to Mom Enough. I'm Erin Erickson here with my mom, Marty, and we're going to be talking about mommy wine culture today with our guest, sober mom advocate, Celeste Yvonne. Celeste is a writer and certified recovery coach with more than 20 years of experience as a communications professional in corporate America. Her essays on parenting, the mental health load of motherhood, mommy wine culture, and sobriety resonate with mothers everywhere and have been featured in the Washington Post, Good Morning America, The Today Show, and Refinery29, to name a few. More than five years sober and a founding host of the Sober Mom Squad, Celeste advocates for mothers who struggle with addiction and mental health. In her newest book, which we'll be talking about today, It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture, Celeste pulls back the veil on what's really plaguing mothers, offering tangible tips for how to lighten your mental load and proposing a path forward for 21st century parents. Thank you so much for joining us, Celeste. Hi, Erin. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I echo Erin's welcome, and I'm just really eager to hear what you have to say to us and our many listeners. I read your book, and it is really terrific. I want to just say up front that I encourage anyone to read it. Um, It's not only for women who are sucked into the mommy wine culture or um, struggling with addiction, uh, not by any means. It really goes deeply into the condition of mothers today and the societal um, response to that and the ways we often fail to support moms in this most important job of mothering. So it's a very important book and with a very positive, hopeful set of tips and um, stories of of, uh, recovery and so on. So um, I just highly recommend it. And it's also short and totally engaging. I just couldn't put it down. (laughs) So um, kudos to you on that, Celeste. Um, In recent years, numerous reports have documented a trend of women consuming more alcohol and more frequently than ever before. This has been of particular concern among women who are moms and have been caught up in what is referred to as the mommy wine culture. We'll say more about that mommy wine culture in a moment, but first, what do we know about why mothers are drinking more than ever? What's really behind those statistics? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question because as somebody who fell into the drinking trap, when I was first getting sober, my question was the same thing. Why is this something so many women fall into and why is it increasing statistically and more mothers than ever are um, falling into this addiction cycle drinking more than ever um, we're seeing in recent reports and then when you look at the pandemic stats it's startling how much it is continuing to increase so when i started researching this my question was is this related to mommy wine culture? And of course, initially, it seemed obvious that yes, I think that the impact of mommy wine culture um, and this concept of drinking to cope with the stressors of parenting, as it uh, 
took on this narrative of its own through social media in the early 2010s, it did impact the way mothers think about alcohol, the way mothers use alcohol to cope. But then uh, as I had more sober time under my belt and started thinking about it more and seeing the effects of the pandemic, I started to notice something bigger. And essentially, that's why this book is called It's Not About the Wine. It's not specifically about the wine. It's not specifically mommy wine culture that is causing these increases statistically in mothers drinking. There's a correlation to the mental load of motherhood um, and the increased pressures of mothers to do it all, be it all, and look good doing it that is also uh, significantly at play and what is creating this perfect storm where mothers are in fact drinking to calm themselves down as a crutch uh, to self-medicate from the weight of a time and day where we are trying to be all the things where women are working more than ever and we have still uh carried and continue to carry the household responsibilities more than um, we should be in 2023. Well, and with the recent uh, research on the very negative effects of alcohol, uh, that alcohol use is associated with seven different kinds of cancer, and, and there's truly no safe amount of alcohol. As a clinician, I'm frequently talking to my patients about this because I think we're really having to combat some of the um, research that maybe wasn't so great and that the media definitely um, took, took off and ran with about like, oh, alcohol might be good for your heart or a glass of wine each day is beneficial. And I still hear patients repeating that. And mm -hmm. the reality is the evidence simply does not support that. There's no safe amount of alcohol. And so that coupled with everything you've just said, uh, the immense challenges of being a mother in today's society and the mental load of parenting, it's it, you can see where it'd be really easy to say, oh, well, if you know we have a glass of wine, you feel kind of good, a little buzzed, maybe feel like, oh, okay, I can deal with things now, but it really doesn't serve us long-term. And so uh, I'm so grateful that you you brought up just that the changes that we've been experiencing, the mental load and the, the actual physical <laughs> load that women have to carry as far as tending to household responsibilities, caring for their children, maybe working outside the home. But if you're not working outside the home, you're certainly working if you're home with your kids as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about what mommy wine culture is? What does that involve and in what ways is that harmful? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So when uh, I think of mommy wine culture, I'm thinking of this social narrative that's playfully joking or implying mom needs alcohol to cope with the challenges of parenting. That is my definition. It is not a mother who happens to be drinking a glass of wine. That is not what we're talking about. And that's something that I often need to distinguish for people, that this isn't judgment for a mom drinking wine. This is a mom using alcohol um, as to send a message that um, my kids are the reason I drink this. My kids are the reason um, I... I consume mom juice, you know, it's the correlation of drinking alcohol to parenting. 
um, and that one needs the other, uh, that there is a connection there. And I think the, the real harm with this is threefold. You know, the first one is it puts the weight of our struggles as mothers uh, to balance the home, work, and life stressors on our children. It is sending this message that our kids are the reason we drink or uh, I whine because my kids whine. I mean, these are constant messages you hear in um, memes or in TikToks that are meant to be jokes, but the implication can be harmful for the younger generations. You know, the other thing this does is distract us from the real issue, which is that alcohol is extremely addictive. It is not a harmless substance. So joking that this is something we can do in excess or even in moderation that is completely harmless to us and those around us is incorrect. Uh, and a, a dangerous thing to be presenting to especially new mothers who might be going through the throes of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, uh, imposter syndrome. There's so many things going on for new mothers and challenges for their physical and mental well-being. And to be um, inundated with this message that wine is the solution to your parenting struggles uh, can be harmful. And then, you know, the last thing is um, it's distracting to mothers getting support for real issues. Um, if they are struggling with postpartum depression, if they are struggling with postpartum anxiety, um, they need they need real support. Uh, a glass of wine is not going to cut it. Um, and when we end cap somebody's struggles, somebody saying, this is hard, I need help with, you just need a glass of wine or, you know, parents drink wine. That's just what we do. Um, the most expensive part of parenting is all the wine you have to drink, right? Um, it is end capping what could be a cry for help, what could be a real um, call for support. And that is genuinely what uh, mothers uh, are seeking. You know, it's not, nobody's genuinely needing wine. Yeah. So, uh, the, the last issue that I think about uh, when it comes to mommy wine culture and why it's harmful is that it end caps what might be a mother's cry for help. Um, when a mother who's struggling with postpartum depression or anxiety or imposter syndrome or just a pure exhaustion because motherhood, early motherhood is extremely exhausting, um, when they start reaching out if they feel comfortable enough to start reaching out and saying, hey, I need help, I need support, um, this something doesn't feel right to be responded to or to feel like the general response to a mother's struggles is to say, sounds like you need some wine um, or, you know, the most expensive part of parenting is all the wine you have to drink. It really end caps what could genuinely be a cry for help. You know, I can't tell you how many mothers in recovery have told me that they have told their doctors this struggle, that they're having a hard time in motherhood, and they recommend, have a glass of wine. It'll calm you down. And that is exactly the opposite of what these mothers are genuinely seeking. We miss it all around, don't we? 
Um, I mean, we really just haven't come to grips with how hard mothering really is. I want to add one thing about the harm. And um, Celeste, this comes from my background as a developmental psychologist with a a particular focus on children, but also on the parent-child relationship. And I think there are two major ways in which this mommy wine culture is really harmful to children. And one is, as you said, first of all, blaming the children. But if you think about the the onesie, you mentioned this in your book, a onesie that says, I'm the reason mommy drinks. You know, I mean, what a horrible, horrible message to send to children and to send to society about children. And we undervalue mm-hmm. children as well, I think. Um, and the other thing is just the example that these mommy wine culture messages send to children when they hear mommy and her friends um, talking about, oh, yeah, oh, I've had such a hard day. My child was just out of control all afternoon. And man, it's time for wine. Um, You know, that's just telling our children, okay, this is what you do when you get overwhelmed. This is what you do when you're having a hard time. And so I think that's a double whammy for kids. Now, I want to get back to the core message about how hard mothering is and how much we undervalue it as a society. And I wonder if you could talk about what we could do as families, friends, colleagues, or as a whole society, that's the biggie, to better support mothers. Mm -hmm. And then any um, specific examples you have where that has happened or where there's a real clear notion about, um, you know, policies and societal practices that could really help. Yeah, when I think about uh, things we can do to support mothers, and what I hope a lot of mothers understand is many of the things we can do to support uh, the mental load of motherhood can start at home. And the first thing I think of is a more equitable distribution of labor on the home front. Uh, While uh, it is more 50-50, in homes uh, where there is a husband and a wife um, than it's ever been, there's still so much work to do. And for the large part, women take up the vast majority of doing the household work, whether or not they're working um, outside of the home. Um, So that is one of the very first steps I think um, anyone who feels like they're struggling with the mental load of motherhood should consider and should start having those conversations with their partner. Like, what do you do in the house? What do I do? List it out. Have a really honest conversation and think about what do you want to be doing? Like, are you always unloading the dishwasher because that's just how it's always been done? Is that something that would be more aligned to something your, your spouse could do? These are the questions we can and should be having in our relationships that probably you might not never have had. You just started going with the flow and all of a sudden here you are feeling strained and overworked because you have taken on Uh, the lion's share of the work, even though now you have children, uh, regardless of what your career looks like. And that is something worth uh, taking a step back on and redistributing. Well, that is so important. And I I know even just, uh, I think of the mental responsibility of parenting and um, even just maintaining a household. And I I remember this time recently where my husband had said, well, I'll go to the grocery store, but could you send me the list? And I had 
I, I just was like struck by this, like, uh, you know, I have a lot going on right now. And, and so that that's a lot of time to put together this list. And so um, I said to my husband, you know, it would be super helpful for me if you could put together a list in addition to the shopping, because I just don't have the bandwidth for this right now. And I was explaining to him that, um, you know, it's a super kind and I so appreciate his willingness to go to the grocery store. That's wonderful. And I said, but there is always this kind of un, like unacknowledged mental responsibility that I have to be the one who's going to have to put together the list, for example, or plan the menus or you know, kind of take that mental responsibility for things. And I started like following some people on, on social media that were addressing this. And um, I said, you know, it's like uh, a real gift to someone if you could say, you know, I'm going to go to the grocery store and I noticed that we need X, Y, and Z. And I was thinking about this for dinner. Is there anything else that you would like me to get? You know, where it's like the the bulk of the of the task has already been addressed rather than it kind of being put back on, on me to come up with that list. And it's a small thing, but it makes a really, really big difference because the constant number of things that I have to be mentally responsible for is really exhausting. You know, whether it's keeping track of, you know, who needs to go where, when, or what appointments need to happen when, and just kind of the the bills, what bills need to be paid or kind of just that mental responsibility is really exhausting. And so uh, that I think is is hugely important. And I also think it's really helpful to to have the support of friends. And I know when my children were really little, one of my best friends, um, we would kind of tr swap kids. So one of us would maybe need to go run errands or go to the grocery store. And it's so much easier to do that if you don't have kids with you. And so we would swap kids. Like I'll take yours for a couple of hours, then you can take mine. And that was so helpful. And it also uh, allowed our kids to become really close. And now that they're teenagers, they're super, super close. And so it's created this wonderful kind of family friend connection and we can support each other and the kids can support each other. And it's been a real blessing in so many other ways. So I think there's lots of, of ways that can play out. But I think there is a real uh, value in asking for what you need. Mm -hmm. And I love your suggestion of having those conversations because we often don't think about all that we're doing and all the ways that things are playing out, maybe adding to our burden and making us feel like, boy, I really do need something to deal with this. And alcohol maybe being the thing that a lot of people will turn to when they're feeling stressed and overwhelmed. Now, I know with your work and, and your amazing book that, um, you know, there's lots of other ways we can address these things. And I think we need to really work to change the culture. But I also know a lot of women who are really thinking about not using alcohol anymore. I mean, even if they maybe wouldn't necessarily say, oh, I have a problem with alcohol, but they just feel like, oh, you know, I, I just feel like I don't want this in my life. Or maybe they feel like, boy, I don't have the healthiest relationship with alcohol. And I am turning to alcohol instead of using other coping mechanisms. So for someone who's uh, maybe sober curious <laughs> or who thinks they might have a problematic relationship with, with drinking, how, how does someone quit or approach that? Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think the 
sober curious movement, which is what it's being called, where people are asking, like, why do I drink? Kind of questioning this assumption that uh, everyone drinks just because we do and saying, is it really serving me? Is alcohol really adding value to my life is a great, important question and something that is worth considering uh, regardless of how much you're drinking. And uh, when I think about the um, concepts of dry January or uh, dry July, there's even sober October that are growing as well as the flourishing of uh, mocktails and mocktail options. Just seeing mocktail menus uh, at restaurants lately, it's, it's really growing. And I think it's such an important question um, to be asking ourselves. And I think that's a great place to start too starting with a dry July, a sober October, going 30 days and just considering it an experiment. Like just, I want to see how I feel after 30 days. I want to see what I learn about myself. Um, That's a great place to start. Um, I think uh, going to sober curious sites on social media is another way to look at it. Checking out sober curious podcasts, Um, There's so many people talking about this right now, um, and it's a beautiful thing because we are starting to see um, alcohol use as a spectrum. It's not a either you have a drinking problem or you don't. Um, It's a there's a huge middle area there. And a lot of people who do drink who are starting to wonder, why am I why do I drink? What what is the benefit? And does it outweigh the costs that are coming to me, which is, you know, the the dangers of uh, the health impact, uh, hangovers get worse as we get older. Um, what is this teaching my children? I mean, there's a lot of things worth asking if you're sober curious and worth considering um, going 30 days without to see what you learn, to see what kind of value it brings and to see what's worth exploring further. Oh, that's wonderful advice. And I I've, I heard once from a, a colleague who was talking about how um, they have conversations with patients about alcohol, and they had the suggestion of, um, you know, setting some sort of limits for yourself around alcohol. For example, maybe you decide you're not going to drink during the week and you're going to have no more than one to two drinks on Friday and Saturday. And she was saying that this is a really good way to see how this goes for you. Are you able to do that? And if not, then you might really think about a bit more about your relationship with alcohol because maybe there is more to it. Maybe it is an unhealthy relationship. And so I think there's different ways to kind of try things out and see like, boy, how do I do in with this? How do I do without alcohol for 30 days or What do I notice if I say, okay, I'm going to drink less and see how that goes? Am I able to do that? And I think to your point, uh, alcohol certainly uh, can have stronger effects as far as hangovers and things as we get older. And uh, who wants to start their day as a parent or as anyone, you know, not feeling well? And and I think that's that's a should be a concern too. If like, why do you choose to do something that makes you not feel good? Right. And and that's uh, something I often talk with my patients about, whether it's um, you know, uh, physical activity or nutrition. How do you feel when you do things the way you're doing them now? And how would you like to feel? And that can be a another way to kind of 
think about it. Like, how do I want to feel as I walk through my days? I always think about, um, I think how energy is a currency and how do I want to be spending my energy? Um, and when I think about how much energy alcohol took from my life, both through time, uh, through um, the evenings where I was drinking, and then all the energy expended the next day in a, in a hangover, um, there, that was a huge defining moment for me in realizing, as a parent, I only get so much energy, and it's really depleted right now. I have to be more careful with what I choose to spend it on. And for me, alcohol had to come off the table. It was taking up too much energy, energy I desperately needed. Yeah. Wow. That's a a really good way to think about that. I wondered um, as kind of a final question, are there other tools or resources that are available to mothers who are looking to quit drinking or address their relationship with alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. When the pandemic hit in 2020, a friend of mine started the Sober Mom Squad, and uh, it started with weekly meetings uh, that's free and open to anyone who identifies as a mother and is living or exploring an alcohol-free lifestyle. And since then, um, it's been going strong, and I actually lead uh, those free weekly meetings every Wednesday, 10 a.m. Pacific, um, as a host. And um, you, you see every kind of mother on there. You see someone who is just sober curious. You see someone who has lost everything, um, to alcohol. And, um, I feel like there's no better way to have these conversations than with other mothers. Uh, nobody else quite, quite gets it the way, um, other mothers can and do, and nobody's more supportive. Um, so, if I were to go back and restart my sober journey, I would have found a sober community right off the bat. Um, And I didn't because at the time I never labeled myself as an alcoholic, but the beauty of sober communities is you don't have to label yourself as anything. And I think that is the critical thing. If you are exploring the idea of sober living, a sober community is a huge opportunity for you to see if um, you can find other people who um, are asking the same questions as you, who are having the same challenges as you. And um, that would be something I would recommend to anybody um, wanting to explore what life is like without alcohol. Well, we'll definitely link to the Sober Mom Squad. What a wonderful uh, way to connect and support other mothers uh, in this journey of, um, you know, sobriety and and choosing not to use alcohol. And we will also link to some other resources as well. Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation has a lot of resources and um, you can check some of our podcasts that we've done with them as well. And uh, we're just so grateful that you could join us, Celeste. And uh, we're very excited about your upcoming book. We highly recommend that anybody check it out. It's not about the wine, the loaded truth behind mommy wine culture. So thank you so much for joining us, Celeste. And thanks to all of you for tuning into this episode of Mom Enough. I'm Erin here with my mom, Marty, and we will be back again with another episode next week. 
Content copyrighted by Marty and Aaron Erickson. All rights reserved. Visit MomEnough.com for an archive of all Mom Enough shows and many free downloadable resources on child development, parenting, and maternal health and well-being. Do you think I'll have a show called Kid Enough someday?